Since I'm not a regular face up here, allow me a moment to further introduce myself. My name is Ben Ribbons, and I've been attending Elmhurst CRC since 2009, which means I've been bouncing around this place for 14 years. I'm a professor of theology at Trinity Christian College and an ordained minister in the Christian Reformed Church. And so from time to time, I, I preach here and in other area churches. But it's a joy this morning to be with you all and to have the honor to open the Word of God with you. If you've been around the last few weeks, you know that this summer we're working through Romans chapter 8, and we've come to verses 14 through 17. And you can find the words up on the screen. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one thing I want to note at the very top today is that today is very family focused. Today is Father's Day. We had two beautiful baptisms. The title of the sermon is Children of God. And the verses we just read talk about fathers and children and adoption and sonship. But one of the things I want to acknowledge up front is that people have different experiences of days like Father's Day and Mother's Day. For some people, Father's Day is a fun day to enjoy being a parent and to celebrate your own dad. For our two families who are celebrating baptisms today, what a joyous occasion to celebrate today. And for me, I'm at a point in my life where Father's Day is fun. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I love being a dad. And so today is going to be a fun day that I get to spend with my boys. But those of you who know me and who have been around for a little bit longer know that, that I've also had Father's Days that have been filled with pain and sorrow. My journey to becoming a dad had, has been tough. There have been numerous miscarriages. One of those led to the death of my first wife, Sarah. There have been multiple rounds of fertility treatments. And our one-year-old, Simon, was initially a twin. But his identical brother died halfway through the pregnancy. So there have been Father's Days where I have sat in those seats, and it's been tough to be around those who are celebrating. And so I'm aware of that as I begin a sermon that is so father and family focused. And so I want to say two things about that. First, today's sermon is going to have something to say both for those for whom Father's Day is, is a joyous occasion. And something for those for whom Father's Day is painful. And the second thing I want to say about that is that today's sermon, although we're going to talk a lot about fathers and family and parents and children, today's sermon isn't actually about being a father or having a family. Today's sermon is about identity. Who am I? And that's a question that we all ask, regardless of our current life circumstances. So, identity. Who am I? As is so often the case, the sim seemingly simple question 
can become very difficult because it gets down to, to fundamental existential questions like, who am I? What am I doing? Why am I here? And these are questions that my college students are asking all the time. We ask these questions throughout our life, but, but those young adult years in particular are a time when we ask these questions. And as a professor, I, I hear how young people think and the things that they say, and I pay attention to the, the cultural influences in their lives. And there is a prevailing message about identity that is rampant in our culture. But you don't need to be a college professor to be familiar with it or to, to recognize it because it's everywhere. Some people call the prevailing cultural message expressive individualism. Others call it the cult of authenticity. Some of the slogans of expressive individualism are these. Maybe you'll recognize some of them. Find your true self. Be your most authentic self. Accept yourself for who you are. Be true to yourself. Speak your truth. Do you recognize any of these? In expressive individualism, the goal is to find your true self, your most authentic self. And how do you do that? How do you find your true self? Through introspection. By plumbing one's inner depths, you find your inner voice. And that inner voice will tell you your identity, your purpose, and your destiny. And once you find that true self, then you must always be authentic to that true self. Any obstacle that stands in the way of the full expression of your true self must be removed because anything that stands in your way is problematic and anyone who stands in your way is doing violence to your true self. And morality, therefore, is all about authenticity. It would be wrong to do anything that contradicted who you are. You must always be true to yourself. And in the end, what is promised? What will expressive individualism bequeath you? Self-fulfillment, self-contentment, the unencumbered self. Now, friends, when we gather one hour a week to worship God and to hear the word preached, we are doing something countercultural. Every other hour of the week, you are part of the broader culture, and the broader culture bombards you with messages about who you are, and you spend, we spend so much time hearing those messages that it can be hard to not accept them. But one of the reasons we gather for worship every week is to be reminded about what is true about the universe, what is true about God, and what is true about who we are. And this morning, Paul in Romans 8 gives us a very different understanding of who we are, and it's, and it's a countercultural understanding of our identity. Your identity is not your most authentic self. This is a false gospel, a false understanding of who you are. And in place of that false gospel, Paul tells you who you truly are. Do you want to know who you are? It's really simple, actually, and yet quite profound. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. That is who you are. That is what is true about the universe. And this morning, I want to talk about what that means, why it matters, and why it is so much better 
than what expressive individualism has to offer. And this morning, I've got three implications of being a child of God. The first implication is that we are loved. As children of God, our core identity is a relational identity. We are in relationship with our Father. And God reveals himself to us as a father in order to communicate the love that God has for us, the joy he takes in us, and the delight that he finds in relationship with us. And so here for a moment, let me talk to those in the room who have good relationships with their fathers or with their kids. I have had the good fortune to have a great dad. He has always been involved in my life. He has supported me through thick and thin. He set boundaries for me in my younger years that kept me on track. And he led our family into faithful life and practice. I have always known the love of my dad. And then I became a dad. And, wow, you you experience a kind of love that you've never had for another creature. I love my boys with every fiber of my being. I would move heaven and earth for them. I would sacrifice anything for them. And that love that you have experienced from your father and the love that you have as a parent is a fraction, a fraction of the love that God has for you. The love that we earthly fathers have for our children pales in comparison to the love that our heavenly father has for each one of his children. So if you have good relationships with your father or with your children, here's what I want to suggest to you in the coming weeks. Be attentive to those moments, those moments where you experience the love, joy, and delight of those relationships. Now, look, you don't always experience that, but there are moments. For me, it's when my one-year-old runs across the room to throw himself in my arms and receive a hug. It's when I'm being silly with my three-year-old and he gets the giggles. It's bike rides and it's reading books. In those moments this week, when you are finding joy and delight in your children or when you receive love from your own dad, enjoy that moment. Cherish it. But then also reflect on the fact that God's tender and protective love for you is even greater than the love that you have for your children. God delights in you even more than you delight in your children. God finds joy in spending time with you even more than you enjoy sharing life's experiences with your kids. Let the love and joy that you share as a family lift your mind and spirit so that you are bathed in the love, joy, and delight of your heavenly Father. Now, for those of you who do not have fathers or do not have kids or do not have good relationships with your father or your kids, here's what I want to suggest to you. The ache of not having those relationships or of not having good relationships is because you have a sense of what those relationships could or should be. It hurts to not have a father or to not have kids because you have an idea of what you are missing. It hurts when those relationships aren't good because you have an idea of what they should be. And so here's my suggestion for you. 
in the coming week when you feel that pain and ache of what is missing, turn your spirit towards your heavenly father and receive the love, joy, and delight of Abba Father, which is the only love, joy, and delight that truly fills and truly fulfills. As a child of God, God loves you, delights in you, and enjoys you. And not only are we loved, but we are wanted. Paul tells us that we are not only children of God, but we are adopted children of God. We are not God's natural children. He did not have to take care of us. It was not his obligation. Rather, he chose to love us. He chose to care for us. He chose to be in relationship with us. We are wanted and we are loved. That is who you are. And that is so much better than what expressive individualism has to offer. Expressive individualism is not a relational identity. Rather, it is a self-focused identity. The best it has to offer is self-love. And trust me when I tell you that this selfish human love pales in comparison to the fatherly love that God has for us. You are an adopted child of God which means that you are wanted and deeply loved. Now our second implication. The second implication of being a child of God is that we have duties. Even in our individualistic culture, we still realize that certain identities come with duties and expectations. If you are a father or a mother, you have the duties and responsibilities to raise your children. If you are a brother or a sister, there are duties and responsibilities that come with that role. The same is true if you are a neighbor, a colleague, or a friend. Now, it's also true that in our increasingly individualistic culture, we expect less and less from those identities. But you can still tell that people have a sense for those duties and responsibilities because they will talk about being a good neighbor, a good brother, a good friend. And good is how we denote that somebody has lived into the duties and responsibilities of that identity. Let me give you an example. Back in April, I turned 40, and my brother and my sister who live in Iowa drove the five hours to surprise me on my birthday. They were good siblings. A month later, I wasn't able to make the drive back to Iowa for my nephew's graduation. I was a bad uncle. With identity comes duty, even today. And if that is true today, it was even more the case in first century Mediterranean culture in which Paul wrote. In Roman culture, there was a strong sense of duty and responsibility. Everything you did either brought you and your family more honor or less honor. So what Paul is telling us in Romans 8 is that there are certain duties, certain expectations for those who are part of the family of God. There are expectations about how you will conduct yourself because your actions are not only a reflection on yourself, but also on your family, and more importantly, on the head of the family, the father. So how do you know? How do you know how to live as a child of God? There's a really simple gauge, actually. Look to the child of God, the son of God. 
We are living rightly as children of God when we are being shaped and formed more and more into the image and likeness of Christ, the Son of God. When we become more and more like Christ, we bring honor to our father, to our family, and to our siblings, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And once again, this implication of being a child of God stands in stark contrast to expressive individualism. When you find your identity in your most authentic self, that identity also comes with moral obligations. With identity comes duty. And in expressive individualism, the moral thing to do is that which is most true to your authentic self. I must always speak my truth, trust my self-perceptions, and act in accordance with my authentic self. In all things, I must be true to myself. But what this philosophy ignores or gets wrong is that I am a fallen human being. Not all of my impulses are good. Not all of my wills and desires are good. Not all of my self-perceptions are true. Not all of my preferences and predilections are righteous. Some of the truths I want to speak are not life-giving. Expressive individualism promises freedom, but what we find is that acting in these ways actually leads to overconsumption and isolation. The hyper-focus on yourself leads to isolation because nobody wants to be around a narcissist. And so when isolated from all relationships, people turn to coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms which usually involves the self-justified overconsumption of social media, Television, video games, food, alcohol, or even drugs. The promised freedom actually leads to bondage and loneliness. The better way to live, the better way to live is as a child of God. While the duties and responsibilities of this family life might seem restrictive, what we actually find is that they are true freedom. They bring us true joy as we live in the household of God, experience the, the love of our Father, have the shared life with our brothers and sisters, and thrive as we become more and more like Christ. Finally, our third implication. The third implication of being a child of God is that we inherit. We receive benefits. And again, this stands in contrast to expressive individualism. The benefits of being a child of God far outweigh the benefits of, a, of expressive individualism. The cult of authenticity promises self-contentment, self-fulfillment. But the self-focus of expressive individualism doesn't lead to self-contentment. Rather, it leads to narcissistic anxiety spirals. The promise of the unencumbered self weighs you down with aggrandized notions of freedom, peace, and self-esteem that go unfulfilled. And so you're always wondering, why am I not as happy, joyful, content, and fulfilled as I'm supposed to be? Or as happy, joyful, content, and fulfilled as everybody on social media appears to be? And if I'm not that happy, joyful, content, and fulfilled, then I must not yet have found my true self. I have more self-discovery to do. But each time you find a new true self and then realize that that new true self isn't 
as great as you had hoped it would be, you spiral further and further. The promise of self-contentment actually leads you into self-loathing and self-despair. It's no wonder that our young people who have been raised in this false gospel have historically high levels of anxiety and depression. In contrast to the bankrupt promise of expressive individualism, being a child of God comes with the benefits of inheritance. There's something interesting about Paul's choice of words in these verses that does not always come through depending on on what translation you use. In verse 14, what the NIV renders as children of God is actually the gender Greek word for sons, huioi. And in verse 15, the, the word for adoption also includes the, the word for son in it, huio. So that some translations simply say adoption, but the NIV has chosen adoption to sonship. But Paul isn't intending to speak only to male followers of Christ. And we know that because in verses 16 and 17, Paul uses the non-gendered terms for children or techna. And this demonstrates that, that both men and women are in mind. So, so why? Why does Paul use sons in verses 14 and 15 and then children in verses 16 and 17? It's due to the fact that in first century Roman culture, only sons received inheritance. And so Paul is making the point that followers of Christ, both male and female, though they were not previously children of God, they are now adopted as children of God, but they are not simply adopted as children. They are adopted as sons with all of the legal rights, privileges, and inheritance ordinarily due only a naturally born son. And the natural son of God is Jesus. And so by becoming sons, we become co-heirs with the Son of God. We become co-heirs with Christ. And what is it that we inherit? Verse 17 says that as co-heirs, we share presently in Christ's sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What this means is that our inheritance is both present and future. Through union with Christ, we already begin to share in the inheritance that Christ has earned through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. But we also wait expectantly for the time when God will set all things right. God will raise us in the glorified bodies and we will live on the new creation where we will reign with Christ. Our inheritance is both present and future. It is the fullness of salvation, the cosmic redemption of all things. And now what I want to do in order to highlight some of these pieces of your inheritance and to drive home for you the benefits of what you will actually receive is I want to have a little back and forth, okay? I'm going to list some aspects of your inheritance and you're going to receive, you're going to acknowledge that inheritance by saying, we are children of God, okay? Can we do that? You are loved, cherished, and delighted in. We are children of God. You are wanted, chosen, predestined, called. We are children of God. You were bought at a price and forgiven. You have been freed from bondage to your sinful nature in order to live in the freedom of grace. 
you will rise from the dead into glorious life. You will inherit all things and reign with Christ in the new creation. All of this and more is yours as a child of God. Brothers and sisters, adopted sons, while the world tells you to pursue your true self, the Apostle Paul says to you this morning that that is not who you truly are. You are a child of God. That is who you are. There is nothing more true or authentic to discover about yourself. And how do I know that's who you are? Because God has declared it. And as adopted children, we have the extraordinary privilege to be in relationship with God, to receive the abundant love, joy, and delight of our Heavenly Father, and to inherit the riches of His kingdom. There is no better identity to have than that of child of God. There is nowhere else to find esteem and confidence than in our Father and in our co-heir Christ. There is no better way to live than to live by the spirit of adoption. And there is no greater hope to have than to anticipate and to live into all things made right in Christ. You are a child of God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see what you have declared us to be. Break us free from self-focused messages that we ingest all week long so that we might bask in the love, joy, and delight that you have for us, your children. Give us esteem not in ourselves but in you. Give us confidence not in ourselves but in what Christ has done. And fill us with joy for the gifts you pour out on us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.